Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I'm your host. And today we are here with Farzan Demubed. He's the CEO at Lotus Sustainables, and we're going to talk about some of the challenges that come along with entrepreneurship and scaling a business and scaling what a physical products business too, and all the things that go along with that. So Farzan, thanks for hanging out with us today. A pleasure. Happy to share what uh, I wish I had learned before I became an entrepreneur. So tell us the story of Lotus Sustainables and, and take us as far back as you think is relevant, but dive into a little bit about the story and then catch us up on a little bit about what you guys do. Yeah, we're really on a mission to help eliminate plastic waste. So my wife and I invented a unique product called the Lotus Trolley Bag. It's an all-in-one bagging system. It's completely different than anything you've ever seen before. It sits on your shopping cart like an accordion and helps you pack, sort, organize. So if you can't visually see it, just Google Lotus Trolley Bag and you'll see an image of it. But we created that product really out of frustration in our own house. We were fed up with plastic bags all over our house and forgetting them at home and having to get more plastic waste than plastic bags. So we wanted an all-in-one system rather than just an individual bag. And we created the Lotus Trolley Bag. And that was five years ago. It's today the number one best-selling reusable bag on all of Amazon. We're in thousands of stores. It's been a wonderful journey. And we really are trying to expand our mission to eliminate plastic waste. And now in the produce section with a reusable produce bag. From the outside, it says, oh, you've got this great thing. Everything lines up. You've got the vision. You've got the mission, the purpose, the product, the promotion, the distribution, everything kind of lined up. Did it all just fall together just like that and work out perfectly? Or were there stages where you had to figure this out first and then this came? Or like, how did that all come about? My favorite saying is if it was easy, everybody would do it. And I personally don't recommend entrepreneurship and starting your own business for 99.9% of the people just because it's consuming. But you really have to do something you truly love and are passionate about because it'll take everything to make that successful. So no, it's been a long, interesting and fun journey, but I wake up every day loving what I do because it is in a category that's creating change and something I'm passionate about. But we had a lot of challenges early on, right from day one to today. And it's been a lot of great learnings. I'll tell you a story. Our first container, we ended up selling six months of inventory in 13 days. And that was probably the most excitement we've had. And then right after that was probably the most devastating time in our company. And it happened almost right away. We rushed back to our manufacturer. We ordered another container and we said, we need the exact same thing. We need it faster and as quick as possible. We had a waiting list of clients because we sold out so quickly. We had all our family and friends here. We had an entire container pull up to our house, unloading this truck, getting ready to send it to Amazon. And lo and behold, we open up our first box on our second container and the product is nothing like the first container. It was completely different. The stitching was off. The logo was uncentered and we're devastated. The biggest learning I've ever learned, and it's the importance of having QC and quality checks done before anything leaves the factory. So now we quality check when the material gets there in between production and right before it ships. 
So it was a pretty devastating day. We lost a lot of money and we lost a lot of time. And luckily, we didn't put that product on the market or else we probably wouldn't be here today. I'm sure it, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? It's easy. It's a very painful lesson and I'm sure perhaps a necessary one. But at that moment, what decisions do you factor in? Was there a, we're going to do this no matter what? Was there a question of how do we figure this out in that moment where you have all this product that you can't use? How do you rationally as a leader or CEO or whatever your role is, what's your decision-making process at that point? Yeah, I'll be very frank. It was devastating. I remember my wife and I looking at each other and we were just in shock. We couldn't believe it because we not only had all this product, but we had all these people, thousands of people that were ready to take this product. They were on a waiting list. We told them, hey, it's coming. It's here. And we had to make the very tough decision to email everybody back and say, sorry, it just didn't come out the way we expected and wanted. We could have very well sold that product and put it back on the market. And it's probably better than 85% of the bags out there, but it just wasn't to our standards. And it was very hard because we put our life savings in that order. But we knew we had something really unique. That's why it's so important to test something in the market first and get it out there. Because we knew the reviews were there. We knew the need was there. We knew this concept would do if we had the right product. So we went back to the drawing board. What ended up happening is our manufacturer ended up outsourcing this to another cheaper manufacturer and not telling us. And this is very common. Now that I find out that this happens a lot. But we didn't know. And like many other people, we're not the first, we're not the last, I'm sure. But if I can save one entrepreneur from going through that, I'd be happy because it was a great lesson. And quality control is so cheap. For $150, you can get somebody there to check your product for you, send you videos, send you an entire list of checks. So we do that throughout the entire process now. You figured out a product and what's next? Because a product doesn't necessarily mean a business. I think there are, are lots of those instances or whether it's a one hit wonder or they're not able to make it profitable or the, right they don't connect all the dots. So now that you've got a good product on your hand and you guys know that you have it, how do you turn it into something that's sustainable or that isn't that one shot kind of thing? Or I'd imagine that in the physical product space, there's the whole knockoff. But I'm just curious where your guys' process was at that point now. And the thing I've learned is you can't rely on one outlet either. So you can't rely on just Amazon. You can't rely on just your website. You can't rely on just retail, right? We know from what's happened the last few years that those are risky assumptions to make. We started on Amazon. From there, we started our own Shopify page. And then from there, we knew this product needed to be in retail. And But retail is a beast. Retail is not easy to get into. And you really need a team around that. It's not something you can just call up a buyer and say, hey, I want to get my product in. But you really need a team to support the logistics, EDI. It is not just a cakewalk to get this product into any store. So you really got to diversify your channels and then you got to diversify your product line, as you said. So then from there, we got into reusable produce bags. So now we're the number one manufacturer of reusable produce bags, but that's because we were strong in retail by that point. So if we had just relied on Amazon, we would have gotten crushed. We couldn't have lasted just on Amazon. So we had to diversify onto into retail, and that's where we're in today. 
We're much stronger with one product, the produce bags in retail, but with the trolley bags, we're much stronger on Amazon. So you need to have that diversification to really scale and be a product and be sustainable, as you said, during the long term. Is your background product focused? And I'm making a lot of assumptions here, just based on our conversation, that it was very product oriented. Because a lot of times we, we, the conversation tends into leading people and creating systems, but you seem to have really honed in on the product side. And, and I'm wondering if that's intentional or if that's your background. I'm definitely passionate about the product side. I think my wife's deeper into the product side too. My background is in marketing. So it's not good enough just to create a great product. And that's what a lot of people think. It's the idea. It's really not the idea. It's the execution. I'd rather have a so-so idea with great execution than an amazing idea with subpar execution. So marketing is so key and preparing to figure out all the channels to get your product out is as important, if not more important than the time you put in creating that product. That was our luck. We got picked up by a random website and our video went viral. And that's how we were able to sell out in 13 days. But it was marketing. That's exactly where I want to go after the break is you are managing a, a product in a very vast, dynamic digital landscape. And you talked about not having one channel. And I'm curious about how you're pulling all those strings and what strings and channels are working more than others and some of the things that you've learned there. And so uh, we're going to get into that right after this quick break. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast and content creation company. So if you have a passion, a purpose, a mission, a message, something that you want to get out to the world, but don't necessarily have the time, the tech skills, or the team to be able to do it, uh, we can help. Go to amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com. You can also check the show notes for info. And with that, let's get back to today's episode. Farzan, my background is in sales and marketing, and, and I realized that I have that whole face for radio thing, so that's kind of how I got into podcasts, and content is my kind of world, but I realized that there is a, a whole other kind of landscape when it comes to selling stuff online, whether it's through Amazon, or you mentioned Shopify, and Google, and there's all these kinds of places. So for you, where is your head at, and what are you thinking about when it comes to keeping your products competitive and keeping them moving in a, frankly, a pretty dynamic digital landscape? You know, I learned something really important early on, and that's to really focus on the consumer and your reviews, right? We all know the power of reviews, but I've seen so many businesses completely go under just because one thing went wrong with one batch of product and their entire business is gone. They got a handful of bad reviews and that's it. So the more you can focus on reviews online is key, but showing that presence online and those reviews is what's going to get you in retail also. That's what many people don't think about when they go to retail. The first place these retail buyers are going is online. Hey, what are they doing? What's the reviews? What's the sell through? And you got to prove that first before you go to retail. If you try to go to retail before that, they're not going to look at you. Retail is a funny game. It's a tough game and it's all about persistence, but it's also none of these retailers want to take risk. So unless you prove yourself beforehand, they're not going to take a risk on you. Yeah. I would imagine that so much of that risk, right, is doing 
your own due diligence, doing your own work, essentially putting it on a platter for them and, and making it an easier or a no-brainer for them. What are whether it's in the product or the marketing or in prompting these reviews, what are some of those things that you guys are intentional about that you find makes it easier for that machine to go? Are there things that you're driving, KPIs that you're measuring, or the Chick-fil-A owner who made your pleasure or my pleasure thing their thing when they're saying thank you or whatever it is? Are there any little kind of nuances that you think make a big difference for you guys? Yeah, I think it's customer service and standing behind your product. Like we have bags from people I've bought a year and a half ago and they're like, my dog ate my bag, literally, right? Like they tore it up or it got stuck in the trunk and it's ripped. And we're like, yeah, you did buy it a year and a half ago, but we're going to send you a new bag. Right. That little amount that may cost me a few dollars that may make that sale maybe a negative slightly. But that customer becomes a super fan. Right. They're telling everybody about you because they know it's their fault. Their dog ate their bag. It's not your fault. But if you take that little bit of step and say, hey, I'm going to send you another bag. Don't worry about it. Thanks for letting us know. Thanks for supporting sustainability with us. They just light up. Right. We have a wonderful lead on our customer service side that just there's no problem too big and we will stand by it. And on top of that, writing little handwritten notes when you send a product or when you send a replacement, it goes so far. We're not used to seeing that. So a little bit of handwritten touches go a long way, which is really neat. Personally, I enjoy that, too. The last thing that I want to hit on is that you seem to be tackling a really large problem with a small product, right? So how do you make sure to connect the dots between that mission and then the product, whether it's through the team or your customers or like, so that mission isn't lost by just trying to sell more bags, if you will? Yeah, and that's very true. And what our goal is to sell you the last bag you will ever need. Every single day, a billion plastic bags are being used. And less than 1% of those are being recycled in any way. What people don't know is plastic bags aren't recyclable. They're actually anti-recycling because they get stuck in the recycling machines. Our goal was always, hey, I don't want to sell you a bag. I want to sell you a system that you're not going to forget, that you're not going to rip, that you're not going to just leave behind. This is going to be your tool. Just like anything else, if you sell something truly useful and not just the product, that's where you're going to be successful long term. And that's what we've done. And for us, it's all about the mission and providing something of very, very high quality. Our bags literally last hundreds and hundreds of times. So we have people that bought our bags five and a half years ago. They still use it every week. You buy it once, you have it forever. And if you can provide that kind of quality, it'll continue to do well. And people will love you for it. And then they'll come back and buy your other product lines. So that's the same model we do with our reusable Lotus produce bags. This is a set you can use thousands of times. For your produce, for travel organization, to wash your produce in, this is not going to rip on you. And you're going to love it. And when people love it and things are useful to them, it's easier for them to create impact that they want to create also. 
Yeah, I love that idea. Of, you mentioned it, a system and creating. I would imagine that some of your customers think that it's a lifestyle, right? But that's really what you've created for them is a lifestyle, that, that the product becomes a habit. Those habits become routines and, and routines obviously make up for their lifestyle. So this is, I think, a masterclass in in, sti- in product stickiness. But I'd imagine that you guys have your own challenge because if they've only buy one Every however many years, you've got to get creative on how to still generate revenue around there. So maybe that's the next conversation. But Farzan, where can people find out about you or, or find out about the products? Where's the best place to go? Yeah, you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn under Farzan Demobed. Uh, you're welcome to go to our website, lotus-sustainables.com. Or you can go on Amazon and just search Lotus Trolley Bag and find us there also. Nice. Make it easy. I would encourage all of you to go and get connected with Farzan. And if you made it this far, we would appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcast. If you know someone has a business in the midst of starting one, we would love for you to share this with them. And then go check out this Lotus bag because I got to tell you, Farzan, my garage, there is this storage. They didn't have extra space. It's just filled with these plastic bags and it has become a problem in more than one way. And so I'm excited that you have a solution there that makes sense because so many of the other ones, they're just, they're not very practical. And so you just, you bringing some realness to it is great. Thank all of you listeners for being a part of the tribe and sticking with us today. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.